Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. What I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello and welcome to the Sunday game. My name is Mikey Stafford. Sorry, sorry, no, that was my audition. <laughs> my audition tape for later. Try, uh, try, run, try, run, try, run, try, run, Mikey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chances just, any good just, for hosting the Sunday game with that kind of no? I know, <laughs> just, just the bright lights. Hello, welcome to the RTEGA podcast. Even Mikey Stafford here, probably not going to be uh, in uh, busy every Sunday night next summer. Um, joined by Eamon Fitzmaurice, Kieran Whelan, and as always, Rory O'Neill. How are we doing, lads? Very good, Mikey. Not a Um, look, uh, Eamon Pat's bland did it. You know, he went from being a Kerry pundit to being the presenter of the Sunday game. Have you any interest <laughs> in in following in Des's footsteps there? No, thanks, uh, Mikey. Thanks for the offer, though. What about yourself? <laughs> Do you mind firing it over in the Kerry pundits? What about yourself? You've loads of experience of hosting and everything else now. I don't know. I don't know if they really trust men with beards on RTE television anymore. Do they? It's not the seventies anymore. I don't think I'd get away with it. Wheelo, you're, you're you're in there nearly every Sunday night. You sort of swap to the other side of the studio. Ah, uh, well, yeah, no, certainly not, Mikey. But uh, yeah, well, a few months, you know, they've all gone. Everyone liked it. <laughs> you're the senior. You're the senior. You're the senior analyst now. I'm the longest there, which means I'm probably the next one to go, Rory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, crazy, crazy few months, you know. Uh, you know, between the uh, managerial uh, usual appointments going on, and a lot of guys jumping down that route, um, you know. Kevin going into Mayo and column, you know, I actually predicted the column one, um, you know, spoke to him at, during the Dublin Kerry game and he was being very coy and I knew there was, uh, there was definitely something up uh, and uh, you got a sense that was a job he, he always wanted, uh, had gone for it before and I think the timing was perfect for him mm. uh, to go in, retiring, you know, he, he's like aiming there in a suit, he doesn't have to sit behind the desk anymore in the school and deal with all the day-to-day issues, so has the time, uh, so yeah, it's been an interesting few months, hasn't it, and then Des, Des goes, so... Mm. I don't, know. I don't know. Where do we go from here? I maybe Des is taking over us common lads, maybe. Des is going Over the last few months, Eamon. Although Dublin, he has connections in Donegal, doesn't he? That job is still vacant. Yeah, true, true. Last few months in Dublin, if he went into the Dole office, he nearly came out with an inter-county job. Sure, but we look, it, it just begs the question, like Eamon there, you know, Eamon's just kind of sitting on his hands and if he wants to replace Jack, you know, they kind of got a job share thing going on there you know they can swap back and forth or whatever but you you Wheelow what, what, Wheelo, what are you doing how did you not uh, well, get yourself I, a managerial I, job I don't have a handy number like Eamon does you know he's just putting on that suit for, for, for show you know what I mean do you get a call do you get a call from Desi Dolan yet Wheelow no <laughs> very smart <Rory. laughs> uh, but no listen being kind when, of... when you strip it back lads the time that's involved uh mm. You know, and you look at most of the guys that are going into it, you know, either retired or, uh, should I say, teachers. <laughs> <I'd> say <that. laughs> uh, but no, like it's, it's a, you, like, like I think it's actually so, something uh, that's kind of probably getting out of control. And Eamon will probably be able to uh, talk about this in a lot more detail. I think the time factor that's involved uh, in managing an inter-county team, no matter who it is, 
is is very very significant and it is a full-time job and i think a lot of i think jack o'connor touched on that last year when he went back into Kerry, and uh you can certainly see you know kevin obviously is retired from the army and he's willing to invest four years of his life to get mayo where he needs to get them and it's a massive job at massive time so um and i and i think it's it's it's, it's not going to get any better I think you know, and 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 it's going to be a challenging one for the GA going forward. Um, in that regard, uh, you know, you can see Donny Gawler still on the hunt. Ross Common are still on the hunt for managers. Uh, I know Monaghan. You know, obviously Vinnie Cowdery's gone in there. They were certainly on the hunt. A lot, a lot of different candidates. So, it's a, it's an interesting dynamic that's not going to. Um, it's not going to get any easier in terms of time for people going into those situations. No, Rory, you obviously worked with Des for quite a long time before you you went over to do to do the live Sunday game. You did. You were that man on the evening the Sunday game. You're probably the, were you the editor when he came in as presenter. Yeah. Um, no, I took over. I think in 2012, and I did it until 20. I did eight seasons of it with Des. So I worked really closely with him in all that time and um we had a great time actually there was a lot of hairy moments to be honest and um but it was very enjoyable and i think uh he put in an unbelievable shift i think he's an underrated presenter in a lot of ways because i think what you absolutely have to have in that job is a really good editorial snout you need to understand what the sun what's the story what is the story here today? What's the thing that people are going to be talking about? And I think to be fair to Des, he's a GAA man to his very core and he gets that and he understood that from the start and the two of us had a pretty good relationship the whole way through. He trusted me, I trusted him and we had, we had, we had some good times and some bad times as well. I mean, there were a couple of instances that we had <laughs> which I don't, which I won't go into. Right? A, few, a few hairy nights, Rory. Yeah. A few, a few very, a few very hairy nights. There was one particular incident with one particular county, who, which will remain nameless, where they were threatening to throw us out of their the winners' hotel. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know. So, um, so like you know, look, they, they, these are like I mean, look, he's put in an unbelievable shift. He did it for fifteen years. It's tough going as well. I mean, Wheelow does it, and Eamon, you've done it. Uh, it's a 10, 12, 13 hour day watching about eight, nine, ten matches across Saturday and Sunday, and not finishing until twelve o'clock. Monday's a write off because you're so mentally fatigued. And I think, look, ultimately that gets to you eventually, and you just need a break from it. And I think over the last year with the proliferation and increase uh, in the number of games that is now being foisted upon the show to try and cover I think it just became very very I suppose unenjoyable from that point of view because there was nothing I, like I'll give, you, I'll give you a quick story when the round robin in hurling came in in 2018 it was the same year that the first year of the trial of the Super 8s also came in so I knew in advance of that, that there's, this was going to be a heap of matches, much more games. And I worked it out. I think it went, the championship hurling and football went from something like 60 in total hurling and football up to somewhere in the region of about 90 games. Um, hurling, I think, went from 20 up to 30. Football went from 60 up to 70. It was just a, a massive, massive in, in influx of extra games that you were going to have to cover. And I went into the head of sport at that time, Ryan Nugent, and I said to him, we need a Saturday night highlights show to take the pressure off. And he said, yeah. And I explained the reasons why. And he agreed. And then he went and looked at the contract and he said, we can't do it. <laughs> 
So, because someone else had the rights, and like I think that's part that's part of the frustration, I suppose, that has probably manifested itself in the sort of abuse that Des has unfairly gotten over the last few years, and it's been a very very difficult job, I suppose, from that point of view. I think people don't really understand it until you've been in there, and um, I think um, I think look, he's done a. Uh, He's, 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 had, he's gone out at the top 15 years, the flagship show. And um, I think, look, from his point of view, the time is right. Time for him to go off to pastures new and all you can do is just wish him well. Um, he's a good mate and uh, just well done. Yeah, uh, interesting times ahead. And uh, I, 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 don't th- I don't think any decision has been made yet. So, lads, look, I'm recording no. my audition tape later. You guys should get one in as well. Email them straight into Declan McBennett. He'll really appreciate as many audition tapes as he gets, I'm sure. Don't fire me for saying that, Declan. Um, right, we'll leave Des there. Happily back to radio, where um, I think he's he does a wonderful job on Saturday. And now he'll be on Sunday Sport. As, uh, we were going to mention the GA's kind of uh, referee respect kind of thing that's coming up this weekend. I don't know what, what you call the campaign, um, you know, information information kind of drive whatever it is but Eamon really like it's kind of being it's being overshadowed repeatedly and um at the moment the kind of whatever they're saying in Croke Park um there is there seems to be a sense that it's perhaps not quite filtering down I don't mean to the sidelines where the people are (coughs) behaving in an unbelievable manner in this autumn for some reason but I mean in terms of the kind of the uh the units, the county units, etc. A lot of people might have seen the headlines today. We're recording this on Thursday. That Castlebar Mitchells have submitted a report to the GA and Tusla, stating there are reasonable grounds for concern related to child abuse following an incident at an under seventeen club fixture, which a lot of people might have heard about. Um, uh, between Westport and Castlebar, Castlebar player was um, seemingly allegedly assaulted by an adult who came onto the pitch. That adult was subsequently giving a very very uh, strong 96-week ban. Um, he appealed, was reduced to two games, and Westport were reinstated into the competition. So at this stage, this game between Castlebar and Westport, which I think was a minor semi-final, football semi-final, is due to be replayed. Castlebar aren't having it. That's why they sent in this report. Don't want to talk about this individual incident, obviously, Eamon, but interested, you know, as an educator, just to get your point of view, are, is this, is at least things only just being highlighted this year because for some bizarre coincidence or is this a really like worrying trend we're seeing in terms of referee abuse and now this new way darker element because we had an incident in Tipperary as well where we're seeing minors players being you know altercations between them and adult spectators or mentors it's 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 very it's disconcerting in a major way it is, Mikey. Look, it's an absolute minefield. I think we could have a podcast and the whole thing, to be honest. Um, <clears throat> you could, We could spend hours talking about it, the four of ourselves, never mind a national conversation. I think it's always been there, to be mm-hmm. fair. Yeah. But I think, uh, you know, with the prevalence of mobile phones now and everything's being recorded, I think it's picked up and it's, it's circulated a lot quicker. And you know, the incidents have always been shocking, but when you, in the heat of the moment, sometimes I think in the past when it wouldn't have been recorded, it would have been passed off and it mightn't have been as scrutinised afterwards. But when you see some of the incidents in the cold light of day, it's very hard to defend them. Um, I think in terms of the respect thing, you know, it's obviously hugely important and we often draw the comparison with rugby uh, a favourable comparison with the way that the referees are treated in rugby. I remember being involved with K 
Kerry as a selector under Jack my first time and Alan O'Sullivan would have been um, involved with us as a trainer as well and he came from a, a rugby background and I remember a game early in the National League something happened I can't remember even what happened but Alan wanted to draw the linesman's attention to something so he was calling him sir he was addressing him as sir so we were kind of looking at him as if you know as if he, he 10 heads like we were kind of saying <laughs> your, your man's going to think there's something wrong with him but or, that, or he's that, being smart or he's being, or smart. He's being smart exactly yeah, yeah and that was that was just what alan was used to from uh his upbringing in a, in a rugby background and that was the way he de- he dealt with the the officials um like i think Look, it, it's it's an absolute fundamental that the respect has to be there to, uh, towards the officials. But then the, uh, respect is always the two-way house that has to be earned then at the other side as well. And again, there's, there's a huge debate to be had at the top end of the game. I think there is a lot of respect for, for the referees for the most part. Um, but there are some referees that I, I think as a player... And as a manager, the most infuriating thing you can have at the top end of a game is is when a referee won't communicate with you. If you're trying to communicate with them on a on a reasonable level, that you're not roaring and shouting at someone, but if you're asking a question about something, and you're you're being blanked, I think that's that's very frustrating. And I don't think that is creating a culture of respect. I think at the lower ends of the game, then when a referee is sent to referee a game on his own or on her own with no linesman, no umpire, anything with them. That's, that's an absolute minefield and that's a disaster waiting to happen. And again, the respect thing, I'm not sure how respectful that is towards the players and the managements and, and to the referee themselves and being put in that particular situation. Then you're going back to the, just the, the critical mass, the numbers, there aren't enough people to do the jobs with the amount of games that are being played. And um, we do a thing in, in school and when the kids are in fourth year where they do a referees course as part of their transition year program. Um, they do the coaching course as well, but they do the referees course to see if there's uh, any few of them that would be interested in this. And, and a couple of them have gone on and have become referees afterwards, which, which is good. But I think we have to be doing that nationally all over the place, trying to get young people involved in refereeing and uh, just have more numbers. But like I said, it's it's the huge, huge, huge debate to be had. But at the moment, I don't think we're in a great place in a, in a, at a lot of levels in terms of, of the respect we're trying to roll out. And uh, it's, it's, it's impacting, which is unfortunate. And it is, it is something that we have to change. Yeah. Carol, um, the, like, what this Mayo case in particular highlights and what I think we, myself and Rory, have, have brought up with referees and with former GA presidents on the podcast not too, not too long ago is the fact that what seems to happen is what might, most right-thinking people might consider to be the correct punishment is doled out, as in this case, a 96-week 90 90, ban. But then an appeal, you know, more times than not, seems to be successful in the GAA. And that... To me, anyway, that's the most frustrating thing, and obviously that's what's got to Castle Bar here, and they've they've taken very strong, you know, they've had a very strong reaction to it by taking it outside the GAA um, disciplinary system, and I can understand why they've done that, and that's what people who have hair, I'm told, what they pull their hair out over is things like this, is you know, is the it's the disciplinary kind of system and how 
tilted it seems to be in favor of the accused or the the convicted almost if you take a ban as being a conviction in ga terms yeah and, and i think that that is again a culture that is there within the ga and it's been there for a long time and that culture to appeal and i know the ga looked at that a few years ago to try to bring in the dra to try and bring in their own legal side of it to deal with situations but it really didn't stop uh, the process and 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 it's 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 it is a bit of a cop out uh, in in some ways, you know that sometimes you do have to accept your punishment and and we've all been in scenarios where you know I've been in scenarios where we have appealed collectively as a team and I've been in scenarios where you've accepted your punishment and that sort of stuff uh, on, on on the playing field. So I think that's something that is like Eamon says it's it, it's always been there and it's a huge frustration. Uh, that that culture exists around appeal in, in, instead of holding the hand up and accepting, uh, you know, the punishment. Like in, in all, everything we do in life, everybody everybody knows after an event where they're wrong. Everybody can see the red mist every now and then. But you have to reflect on these things sometimes and realize for the for the better of the game that you're out of order and you have to you have to learn from those mistakes. Like I think there's two. I, the way I think, if you look at okay, we've we've got that issue with respect around referees, which kind of has to start from the bottom up, um, and I think there's two strands to it. Obviously, there's the referees issue, and certainly I see in local clubs and you know looking after a, a minor team, and I've I've have, have got to know a good few teenagers and guys that have actually. Uh, taken up the whistle and went refereeing juvenile games, you know, in recent years, uh, and have opted out of it very quickly. Uh, don't want to, don't want the twenty, thirty quid at a weekend because the abuse that they're getting at under eight and under nine matches, uh, and that's just intolerable. That's just, you know, you're, you're talking the, the 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 goal game system is non-competitive. You know, uh, there's absolutely no reason why there should be any engagement from the sidelines at all with referees that are young 14, 15 that we're trying to encourage to get into our games. And that, that is a big, big problem um, that needs to be dealt with uh, in terms of the sideline abuse. Um, and, 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 it's, and it's getting worse. I don't think it's getting better. I actually think it's getting worse. Yeah. And I think on the flip side to that, in terms of, in terms of encroachment on the field, Mikey, I think that's, an, you know, there's, a, there's always been the odd dust up you know, that's been part of the game for 20, 30 years within the white lines of the field uh, where there might be a dust-up or a bit of a, a digger match between, you know, five, six lads or even more. But there seems to be an entitlement maybe in, in recent years. And, you know, maybe maybe people might disagree with this, but there seems to be a entitlement that when something happens on the pitch now, anybody can, can enter the pitch, mentors, subs, the whole lot. And that seems to be the way it goes. And, and I think that's an area where the GA really have to look at and really clamp down on. That if you enter the field of play, if you cross that white line and you're not one of those 30 players, you get sent off immediately. End of story. No, no ruthless, uh, no mercy approach to it. And, and there should be designated people on the sideline, a physio or one manager who wear bibs, who can encroach to come in and check on the health and safety or welfare of a player. But anybody else that enters the field of play, referees should be given the power to send off immediately and they should be suspended. And, and that we need to drive that culture because I think you know, that's what's happening a lot of the times. You know, you're going to get instance within the white lines, but I think that we're just seeing more and more where immediately something happens, there seems to be people think they have a permission to enter the field of play and they, they, they shouldn't have. So I think there's, there's a massive problem culture coming up with young referees and, 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 and abuse from parents on the sideline, but there's also then uh, that issue 
you know, um, with with people encroaching on the field of play, and there are two issues that that need to be dealt with because it's it's not good for, not for not good for the game. Yeah, Rory, it's nobody is looking at these incidents and saying they're in any way, uh, you know, acceptable or whatever. And the issue the issue does seem to be the large part of this issue is that Croke Park are doing their living best to come down living best, like you know, they're they're. They, they're saying all the right things at the moment, you know, they have, you know, they, they have this campaign coming up, but then, you know, they can, it's very easy within the democratic system of the GA for the central government to be undermined by one of its, you know, one of its bodies, you know, one of its regional bodies in this, mm -hmm. let's say Mayo County Council, I'm not saying they're undermining them, I'm just saying that this case, you know, doesn't send the message that Croke Park has been trying to send for the last few months. Um, and this is a, this is a real problem for the, for the, you know, the management of the GEA. You're trying to change a cultural mindset. That's a very, very difficult thing to do. A very, very difficult thing to do, especially if it's embedded. Um, uh, like, look, i give you an example. There's a motion at Congress last year whereby they, an, an English club brought the motion because obviously they might have a lot more players of different uh, nationalities playing GEA in, in the UK. They brought a motion about... Uh, automatic expulsion for any racist abuse on the field. Now, that motion got parked because when it went to some subcommittee, they looked at it and they said, oh, but sure, what if little Johnny didn't really mean it and he's very, very sorry and it was a once-off. That's the cultural leniency that has sort of pervaded the GAA, which manifests itself now in this, the type of, you know, 96-week ban getting reduced to two games and on we go. You... If you want to change something as embedded as this, you have to have a zero tolerance approach. Somebody hits a child, expelled, expelled from the GAA, end of. And that mess, if that message goes out, I think you might in some way arrest some of this, uh, some of this culture to a certain extent. But as long as like you're talking, oh, let's have a respect campaign and let's let's do a little press conference and let's just all shake hands with the ref. I don't think it's worth a whole hill of beans, to be honest. Um, it can seem, Eamon, I suppose, that campaigns like this weekend, well-meaning as they are, they can seem kind of like, you know, P you know, kind of PR kind of exercises, um, especially when they're thrown into the light of kind of, what's actually happening in the GAA's kind of um, disciplinary system at regional level or county level. And uh, that that's tricky. And as Roy says, there have been attempts have been made to rewrite rule books and to kind of firm these things up. And it, it just, it, it seems to be a really tricky one. And people from the outside might look in and say, why isn't this something that there's an appetite to, to change and change quickly? Yeah, uh, absolutely, Mikey. And look, I'd be sympathetic for the GEA centrally as well because they want to do something. They do. They, they, you know, they want to try and do something to draw attention to it. And in fairness, there is, the incidents are probably drawing attention to it anyway, but there is a bit of noise around it this week, uh, you know, around the respect campaign this coming weekend. Uh, but look, Rory mentioned there the zero, the zero tolerance thing. Unfortunately, as humans... <clears throat> If you want to change behavior and particularly deeply embedded behavior, there has to be sanctions. That's the only way it works. Kiran mentioned earlier about, you know, being sent off. And when you're sent off as a player, if you're suspended, I've been there, done that. It hurts you as a player to miss a game. 
um, then if your team ends up losing and you're, you've been suspended for a game and you feel that you could have contributed, that adds to the, the, the kind of hurt and disappointment and you're kind of saying to yourself, I'm not going to be in this position again. So, you know, when the suspensions and the sanctions carry through, they definitely have an effect. Um, and, you know, I think we all look, I mean, when we're in school, we're always trying to do everything from the positive point of view and you're trying to bring everyone with you and you're always coming at it from the positive angle. But there are times then when when sanctions have to be imposed and that's to help a student or to help someone with a behaviour issue to try and change their behaviour. So it's a bit but heavy Eamon, metal Eamon. stuff today, Mike. Yeah, I thought we were going to be like yeah. that. Eamon, just on that, on that, like you, you know yourself, like sometimes it, it doesn't be the decision of the player. You know, you know, and county boards have, have a responsibility here as well. And and obviously managers, like a lot of the time a player gets sent off, uh, you know, the appeal process will be driven by the management, you know, uh, and the county board will back the management. And I, and that's where that kind of parochialism comes in in the GA. Do you know what I mean? That it's it's we that- always had a principle, Kieran, if someone if someone deserved this, they did the time. They, yeah, they did the time. If, yeah. if, yeah. if someone was wrong, then. We absolutely backed them to the hilt, and we appealed yeah. it, and we, we did whatever, whatever we yeah. could do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, that must yeah, have been we, that must have been a tricky conundrum, Eamon, with Paul Galvin, because <laughs> so 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 sometimes he probably did deserve it, and sometimes he probably yeah, he didn't. was never wrong, Rory. He was he was he was never in the wrong. He was always wrong. So they were always picking on him, but uh, but Paul would have taken his punishment at times when he felt he would have deserved it but then there was times when you would have felt he didn't deserve it and you you would have appealed it but certainly when I was in charge we always said that you know and the group accepted that if someone if someone did you know if someone did hit someone in the clip and they got caught for us well you you have to take your punishment in and that was it like so um you know I understand the win at all cost mentality as well, but you'd wonder in the long run, it does it does it actually work out? Yeah, and uh, and sorry, just to finish up on it, that's what you're saying there is within the white lines. And even if someone doesn't accept their punishment there, you'll say, ah, well, he wants to play in an All Ireland final or he wants to play in a county final, and he'll appeal it. Um, it's not that it's acceptable, but it's understandable. But the idea of adults coming onto a GA pitch to like to lay their hands on a teenage boy or girl that are playing in a match just because they didn't like something they did, there's there's no way in the GA there, there's no in the GA culture that's that's not explicable in any culture that's just wrong and like like you just no. feel that the GA have to be able to say no no you know a three year old can see that that's wrong so yeah two year ban at the least is fine for you and there's no room for an appeal and i know that that requires a rewriting of ga constitutions and it'll probably take about four congresses but that's kind of what has to happen really isn't it i don't think anybody could disagree with that um okay we will move on now Eamon. that's that's quite enough of that for a thursday morning i've been dealing with that story or thursday afternoon but i've been dealing with that story since eight o'clock this morning i've had enough of it as well to be honest with you um We'll move on. Um, we do sometimes get accused of being Dublin-centric in, in RTE, which is terribly unfair. You know, there's, uh, only, there's only one dub here. Um, you know, uh, one of us lives in Wicklow. One of them does live in Dublin, but, you know, you know, we can't help ourselves. And Eamon, obviously, it's a great We've been very generous, Mikey, didn't we? You know, a couple of our players up here took a break, so... <laughs> I always love visiting. I think, I think that bit's forgotten, you know. <laughs> that was nice of his. Um, 
Anyway, it's, convince it's, it's, a couple of more of them to take a holiday next year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear Timbuktu is lovely this time of year. Um, Jack McCaffrey's probably been to Timbuktu, actually. Was done. Um, but anyway, uh, this is more the club scene I thought I'd talk about. Um, um, and obviously the finals this year um, between Kilmacud and Nafina, um, both finals, football and hurling. And it just got me thinking, um, not necessarily con- totally a Dublin problem, but um, it is something. And it's quite glaring when you read down through the role of honour for the last few years in Dublin football. Kilmacud Croaks won this year, Kilmacud Croaks won last year, then Ballybun, then Ballyboden, then Kilmacud, then St. Vincent's, then St. Vincent's, then Ballyboden, then St. Vincent's, then St. Vincent's, Vincent's, then Ballymun, then St. Bridget's in 2011, then Kilmacud, then Ballyboden, then Kilmacud, then St. Vincent's, and 2006 UCD won for a change, and then Kilmacud, and then Kilmacud, and yeah. then St. Bridget's. The inter- Mikey, the interesting thing about UCD winning it, they won that champ. I was at that match, actually. They won that championship that year, and they got thrown out after that. Because <laughs> That's right, Because the, yeah. the, Dublin, the Dublin clubs got upset, because basically it was like <laughs> playing an inter-county team. But anyway, sorry. Yeah. We, well, well, obviously, my small club, Rohini, we got to one county semi-final, lads, in 2002. And who did we blow? Who bet us? UCD, and it's yeah. stuck in my yeah. Yeah. lads. Lads were able to play like in their local championship and they're able to yeah. play in the local championship, yeah. and it was yeah. just absolute nonsense. Mm. I, I it, was, it was so so annoying at the time that you know your own club where you're from, your own community, you know, you get so far, you get on a run, and a fucking college team, <laughs> beat you, you yeah. know what I mean? But like, uh, I think Nile McNamee, I think if I'm not mistaken, Nile McNamee won two county medals in two days. He had won the Offaly County Championship on the Sunday and the Dublin County Final was played on a Monday. It was against Vincent's. They hadn't won it for 20-odd years and there was a big hullabaloo and they come in against UCD. I was, I went into it. It was inside in Parnell Park and they got beaten by UCD again. They were sick. And um, I think they changed rules straight after that. Yeah. I think that was the end of UCD then, Milo, after that. Yeah. Then the hurling. Not long before time. UCC uh, are still in the Cork Championship, Kieran. We we won a county championship with UCC. You, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know all about it. I was there for it that was, as well. It was actually very enjoyable. A very it was a great. It was yeah. like a club team. I'd say you had that medal <laughs> hanging in your office, Steve. Yeah, yeah. It was it was like a club team made up of inter-county players from four or five counties. Um, then the hurling in Dublin just just said I think that Paul the... Paul played on that team as well, didn't he? Amen. Yeah, Paul yeah, Calvin yeah, and yeah, was Adam yeah. McGarrell on that team? No, um, Michal O'Connor. There was twelve Kerry fellas. Um, <laughs> UCK, UCK, we were christened at the time. I saw that, that's, that's, that, that, that sign was over in the uncovered stand. I saw it. We were sick. Yeah. Yeah. See, he didn't think there was going to be any cork chat today. As soon as there's an in, as soon as there's an in, he won't let me talk. I didn't bring it up. Uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Just to say, in the hurling in Dublin, Kilmacroder playing the FINA um, this weekend. Again. And yeah, they played them last year. And the role of honour then eh, for the last few years in hurling is Kilmacud, Kula, Kula, Ballyboden, Ballyboden, Kula, 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 Kilmacud, Ballyboden, Kilmacud, Ballyboden, 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 Ballyboden. Crave Kieran in 2006. Fair play to them. Then those those devils from uh, from uh, the uh, M11 UCD got, got back in with a couple there before Craig Kieran and back to O'Toole's. My point is, it's pretty obvious in Dublin that there's a bit of a a, a domination by a number of uh, as we call them super clubs. Kieran, I don't know if this has ever been raised or the idea of it, because all good ideas originate in Cork and Kerry. Has there ever been the idea of divisional teams in Dublin to to balance things up, you know, 
could could Rahini and Clontarf team up to take on St. Vincent's, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, to perhaps yeah, bring it? Well, like, it's interesting. I remember, uh, I remember when Cat Gilroy came in in two thousand nine. I actually think Colin O'Rourke is doing something very similar. He's disbanded his panel. And um, when Gilroy came in two thousand nine, we had a regional. It was, it was part of the trial process, you know, and we had a regional competition over a weekend, and we actually won at Dublin Northeast. And it was a kind of competition that started on a Saturday morning as kind of tame. And by Sunday evening, fellows were knocking shit out. But it was, it, was actually, it was actually really enjoyable. But, I'd say uh, so. I, 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 don't, I don't see that happening, Mike. I think that's a long way off in Dublin, if I'm being honest with you. Um, and, and listen, I know it's, it is a big frustration for smaller clubs in Dublin um, because I think probably a lot of the... the the bigger clubs, well, obviously the likes of Kilmacourt have a massive, massive catchment area on this outside. They have a massive catchment area and it's purely a numbers game. And, uh, you know, if you compare that to the north side where you've got, you know, Scully Connell, you've got O'Toole's, you've got Clontarf, you've got Rohini, you've got Crave Kieran, you've Vincent, Whitehall, Fina, Whitehall Aaron's Isle, Ballymun, mm-hmm. uh, all within a radius of five miles. So it, there's a significant amount of clubs on, on the north side and probably... You know, the criticism the smaller clubs would have is that some of the larger clubs are beginning maybe to encroach into their patch. And it's, you know, depending on where lads are going to schools, the, 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 the bigger clubs will, will, will hold that, uh, that pull on the, on the players because there's that better chance of success. So there's no doubt about that would probably be one of the criticisms that probably aimed in Nafina, uh, that they may have, you know, encroached in other teams patches in around the north side and other clubs maybe were in decline maybe as a result of it so it is a worrying trend um and it's and and definitely the gap is the gap is becoming bigger uh between some of the top clubs and and, and the weaker clubs like there's a huge contrast i would i've always felt in dublin between the standard of division one and division two uh in terms of football and i, I can't really comment on on hurling per se but um yeah it's it's it, it is a concern uh but can i see regional teams in in, in the short term no i can't uh if anything i think we'll see some clubs um really struggle to field teams and i think that's that's happening in some some areas in Dublin already, uh, where some old traditional clubs are really struggling to get uh, players on the field to play, and you'd be more worried that they will become nearly extinct um, and, and won't have teams. So you could see amalgamations and kind of mergers, as opposed. Yeah. Well, it's to, already happening, yeah. Mikey. Like Ballybuckle, Garristown, and the Nall competed yeah. underage level under the banner of St Peter's, for instance. Like you know, yeah. I think we'll see mergers rather than a regional yeah. regional approach because uh, it, it may just the dynamic, maybe Dublin being a lot more urban is just 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 the dynamic is slightly different. Yeah, because there's, carrying such there's no parish rule, obviously, Rory, which is kind of what puts manners on things in in most of the rest of the country. And and obviously it's not impacting on inter-county success at least at least in Gaelic football so there's there's not like an existential threat to GA here but you, there is like if like I was a member of a very very lowly team in, in Dublin like a Portobello Division 8 team never had any aspirations to anything but keep a junior football team going but like if you're a Division 3 like the club you two lads are involved in it must be very frustrating to see that there's there's a ceiling there that you're probably not going to crack Rory that there's three or four clubs who have 
a catchment area and a population and a playing population that's just beyond what you or most other clubs can hope to have. Well, funnily enough, we may have that problem ourselves over the next eight to 10 years, given what's going to happen. Demographics does obviously shift things. Given what's going to happen in our locality. But no, the point is well made. I think um, like the, the, the concept of divisional teams, which Eamon would be familiar with, and I obviously I'm very familiar with myself in Cork, from a Cork perspective, the concept of them is good in that like they were designed to stop the small junior club losing a player to a big urban city club. Like Christy Ring leaving Klein to the Glen, go to go to Glen Rovers. That's that's how far back it goes. And divisional teams kind of came in. Not primarily because of that, but that's where they started took a foothold to try and stop that type of thing. Like Liam Rush leaving St. Pat's of Palmerstown to go to Nafina, Eamon Fennell leaving O'Toole's to go to Vincent's. These types of things happen because lads don't feel they get the opportunity to play at the highest level with the clubs that they have, and they have further intercounty ambitions, and they can't achieve those because of the standard that their club is providing for them. So the divisional concept was brought in to try and offset that, and I think there is good merit in it. Um, would it work in a Dublin sense? Probably not. I think they're probably too immet- the The local rivalries, particularly in North County Dublin, are so enmeshed. I don't know if it would work, and then even in a logistical sense. I think the bigger problem for the Dublin County Board is the sheer size of some of the clubs, particularly on the south side. Nafina are an outlier, but trust me, there's another super club coming. It's called, and they're called Nave Marnog. They are going, like, I mean, we were out there last week playing an under eight in an under, under nines or under tens, whatever it was. I mean, where are they based, Roy? Uh, Port Marnock. Okay. I mean, thousands, like, thousands of kids. Like, I mean, it's, they are going to be huge in a couple of years' time. Luke and people Roy, say the Roy, same about don't they? There, there, there is a flip side, though, to that as well, in terms of these bigger clubs, you know. And mm. in, are they clubs? Like, are they actually a club? Oh, well, no, but I think in terms of some yeah. players that are, like, they're, they're producing, like, they're not just winning at senior level, they're winning at minor and all the way up. Yeah. And every year they're producing five, six players. And the quality of players... Yeah in that club that can't get into their first team or can't play at the standard that they're probably good enough to play at, you know, I would think there's probably, you lose some players and I think it becomes frustrating for somebody that's probably played all the way up. It's very difficult for them to break in. Like breaking into that Kilmacud team, it's probably, it's inter-county standard. Like it's mm. inter-county standard. Uh, so I think a lot of, it's very, very challenging for some players within those clubs as well that they're coming up and they could have eight or nine mm. adult teams and they're slotting in at a certain level, which is probably below their capability. They could probably play for any other senior team division one yeah so, yeah so there's there's a downside to these super clubs as well from 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 an individual and and, and, and i well. think i think the issue for the county board like I, I i would have the strong view it's only privately held view but i'd be fairly certain that the t- top figures within dublin county county board do not want or envisage or would like to have have the situation where one club has four thousand or five thousand members the problem for them is like, ideally, there should be four clubs in a place like Stillorgan. There should be two hurling and two football. But where do they go? Where do they train? It's, it's all about land, facilities, pitches, pitch space. And if you dilute that by splitting up Kilmacud, for instance, just take them as an example, sure, you know, like you're, you're multiplying an already uh, difficult problem by four. And it's, it's, it's a really hard one for them to solve. Eamon, as a Fanoog and Field Rangers and Lixnaw man, um, you must look at these Dublin problems and think they're very different from the problems of, you know, 
rural clubs on the western seaboard who the uh, too many people is not the problem yeah we're certainly not turning people away anyway mikey um yeah look i mean the advantage of the divisional thing is that in Kerry, that players playing with junior clubs in division four or five of the county league they get to play in the county championship they get to play at the highest level uh, within the county and they get to put themselves in the shop window for the for the county team so that you do end up with you know a good few I suppose, uh, comparatively speaking, a good few junior and junior premier players involved in the Kerry squad, which is which is a great thing. And I suppose, look, just starting it somewhere to be probably a challenge. I mean, we were used always growing up along, uh, you know, playing Whitfield Rangers, I'd say probably from under 16 level up that we had our own club, Fenuig, but then we came together for, for, for the county championship with Field Rangers. And initially it was a very strange thing uh you know playing with this group and you didn't really know anyone and you know there were derivals from other clubs but by the time you got to under 21 level in particular we lost a couple of minor finals i'd say we definitely lost one minor final but we won a couple of under 21s then and uh we had a good a good united bunch then with a bit of spirit but um can be challenging as well to get a divisional side right but definitely this year in Kerry with the group games it's given the 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 divisional sides the two three games together and it's given them a chance to develop and kind of uh, get stronger so it's if anything it's harder for the clubs nearly in Kerry at the moment to win a county championship and and that was a big issue in Cork as well there was a lot of disquiet about the power of the divisional teams particularly in Mokilly in a hurling sense because it's such a stronghold so they changed the format in Cork. So what they've done now is the clubs are in four groups of three and the divisional teams all play off in a separate competition to only produce one team who makes it to the knockout stages. So you remove the possibility of there ever being two divisional teams in the final straight away, which I thought was a, an innovative way of going about it from Cork County Board's point of view. You do you do need a PhD in pure maths to understand the Cork Championship structures. Back, back to Cork again. To Cork. Well, like, we're talking divisional teams. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Kieran, but just to finish up and to, to go back to Dublin where we started, um, this is like, like with lots of things with Dublin, like it's, it's a slightly intractable problem. Like it's just, it's a lot of people and there's people moving to Dublin every day. And, you know, there's a lot more serious infrastructural problems going on than there, than, than GAA clubs. But like, could you see, could you foresee a day when like they, the county board have to put a stop on underage members joining Kilmacud and say, no, you have to join, you know, that club in the Cornell's court, whose name's just, you know, escape Nave from Nave Olaf's, Nave Olaf's. Oh. Yeah, all, you know, and they have to say that we have to try and balance this up in, in some kind of natural way, like the, uh, you know, the, the Chinese policy of, you know, one child per family, etc. Is, is, is that what's going to, to be mention, needed? I was about to mention the busing in, uh, in the States, uh, <laughs> Mikey, and that, that didn't work out too well either. So, yeah. um, Neither yeah, are great suggestions, really. Yeah, no, I think, uh, I think yeah, I, we leave the dubs to try and figure that one out, but uh, it, it is a challenging one. I, I get it, and like the point that Kiran said that where you have a lot of talented players coming through and they're, they're, they're probably not breaking through because the the ceiling or the standard is so high within their clubs just again because of the critical mass and you're you're probably losing a lot of very good quality players because of that so 
Uh, it's a conundrum, but very, like I said, very different to the, the to the challenges we're facing down here. And and another and another another area where they lose players as well in that sense, Eamon, is what can happen too. And this happens quite a lot with the Coolers, Valley Bowdens, Kilmacuds, and all of those. So players will graduate out of the minor ranks or under twenty one ranks and graduate up to senior, and they might make it into the senior, the the, the top team but they may be supplanted by the next batch of under 21s that come through. But the county board won't regrade the initial few players to drop down a level because there's a sense that, oh, no, 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 they're senior players now. And it can actually be quite difficult to get lads regraded down the ranks to be able to play a championship. And sometimes it can lead to disaffection. And and in some cases, people walking away as well. So there, there are... It's just, it's a really really tough one. It's a really tough one for Dublin County Board to figure out. Really, I hard. think the first the first the first thing that has to happen certainly within Dublin is is, is the change back to under eighteen. Um, mm. Oh, that's huge. You know yeah. that that has been farcical. And while yeah. again, it's different in rural areas that obviously clubs need their minor players, and I understand the concept behind it. It just has not worked in Dublin whatsoever. Uh, it's been an absolute farcical introducing under nineteen. And and again, you're. It means you have kids, literally 16, 17 year olds, leaving uh, juvenile football and, and being put into that big bad adult football world. And it's 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 in an urban club. That's a very different scenario. They're still kids essentially. Um, and and I think taking away that under under 18 standard, there was nothing wrong with it. Uh, no. There was absolutely nothing wrong with it in Dublin. Uh, and I think they're going to go back there, which will certainly will certainly help in terms of the links with adult football. Uh, but I know it's it's it, I, I understand the dynamic can be very very different in a rural club. Where and maybe they need different, different solutions, Kieran. Maybe they need the solution for Kerry won't be the solution for exactly, Dublin. Yeah. That's with it. Regard, with very good point. That. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's what will ultimately will happen. Eamon, do you know what I mean? I think that that, that that's what ultimately will happen. I think Crow Park have given that maybe given that choice back to counties uh, to adapt based on their own circumstances and and how it's running. But I think it will. That will be a change back to under eight in football next year, which will certainly help in Dublin. I think. Yeah, I think that's a move being hoped for in a lot of counties around the country. Um, all right, lads. and I do think I think it's a good point as well. Sorry, Mikey, that the autonomy for county boards to figure out what works best for their particular circumstances and situation, I think, is a really key aspect because it isn't a one size fits all. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it probably should be one size fits all when it comes to disciplinary issues, but not when it yeah. comes to fixturing. <laughs> just to just to complete that loop, um, hitting a hitting a fella box is usually a universal language. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, thanks very much to the lads. We'll be back next week with a with a hurling podcast. Um, you know, there's there's no issues there. Obviously, it's God's sport. There's no no, no, no issues. Um, if you want to tune in on Saturday, no that sure does not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. break them. Um, <laughs> We have Leinster Club football action on the television uh, on Saturday night on RT2 and the RT player Palatine versus uh, St. Pat's of Wicklow. So you can tune in for that. And uh, obviously Saturday night's on this board. We'll be keeping across the county finals and other provincial matters going on. So just to say thank you to Eamon and to Karen and to Rory and we will catch you again next week. Good luck. Crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. By winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in hurling, I love players that will never give in. He hits it! He hits it!